Hi, this is Erica Potter. And this is Hunter Willis. And this is Hot Girl Briefing. Hey, Erica. Hey, Hunter. What are we going to be talking about today on the pod? So like our last episode, we have another friendship to report to you. It's like the like the season of friendships over here. Spring is a time for new beginnings, new diplomatic relations. And now we have some new bestie formations, which is Beijing and their two fun, fresh sidekicks, Iran and Saudi Arabia. So this took place in the beginning of March. So I guess what happened here, let's just jump right into it. So Iran, Saudi Arabia, not always the closest, not the friendliest with each other. But Beijing said, you know what? Cut it out. We're going to figure this out. So how did this all come about? Originally, the U.S., they were the ones that wanted to help broker this peace deal in the Middle East. And we know they try to be involved in the Middle East for a hot minute now. And look where that led us all. So why would this be any different? And basically, the Saudis thought the same thing. And after there had been five rounds of talks between Iran and Saudi Arabia that the U.S. had helped organize, they ended up turning to China to help broker a better diplomatic situation between them instead of the U.S. And this was all after Joe Biden. He tried to have the Gulf Cooperation Council, or GCC, which is made up of Bahrain, Kuwait, Oman, Qatar, Saudi Arabia, and the United Arab Emirates try and collectively organize against Iran. So it's like, okay, Joe Biden already not really doing the best of jobs here when like you're trying to have these two come together, but then you're also trying to pit a bunch of people against the one. So it's like, you know, just a little biased here. Obviously, the Saudis must have taken some issue with the strategy. So they ended up turning to China. Erica, do you want to? Okay, Erica, like, why is this such a big deal? Let's bring it back to like my corporate life. You know, you guys know I work in a corporate office job. If any of you out there work corporate, you know, office politics. So when there's like two people in the same department, but they just hate each other and they have their reasons for it. Some might think it's Mm -hmm. valid. Some might think it's not. But Mm -hmm. either way, they have their reasons. And both people obviously have their own little friend group, their own clique. And then it just turns into chaos and it makes life harder for everyone in the office. You know, there's it's just tense. Like you walk in there, you can kind of feel the off vibes and you have to sit there for eight hours or more, depending on your job. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's not good vibes all around. So we've all been there before and it's kind of the same thing happening over in the Middle East, which mm. is ironic with that you brought up the peace in the Middle East thing. Cause I recall like 10 years ago when that was like a phrase that everybody would say, at least in the oh, United we're States, make peace in the Middle East, and it's like, like peace in the Middle East. That was like IG captions, guys. Like I, I have no idea why. Maybe it was from the United States just pushing that as the agenda. It became kind of like not a joke, but definitely a interesting catchphrase that yeah. people used to say. Mm -hmm. So to break it down with just the recent history, we know we could go all day with the history of the Middle East and all of the historical tensions with all the other countries. That could be not even a podcast. That would be like a full 24-hour YouTube video. But Saudi Arabia got upset because protesters had invaded diplomatic posts in Iran in 2016 So the Saudis had broken ties with the Iranians, which was only after Saudi had executed a prominent religious figure a month and a half before. So as we know, religion does play a big factor in not only this situation, but just in general when we're talking about the Middle East Mm -hmm. and Saudi Arabia having, quote, portrayed itself as the world's leading Sunni nation, Iran's theocracy, meanwhile, 
Shiite minority. So obviously, religion can play a big role here, especially with opposing sides within a shared overall religion, which we've also seen conflict and tension come from other places. So for example, Ireland with Protestants and Catholics, I mean, the United States has a bunch of different branches of Christianity as well. So it's definitely yeah. a theme in all religions, not specific to the Muslim religion, but that is some of what's going on around here. Yeah. And so it probably didn't help that at the time, the rising crown prince Mohammed bin Salman had, quote, previously compared Iran's supreme leader Ayatollah Ali Khamenei to Nazi Germany's Adolf Hitler and threatened to strike Iran, end quote. So that obviously didn't help. And then neither did the multiple attacks that were ultimately linked back to Iran through the Houthi rebels in Yemen and all around, one of which was on a large Saudi Arabian oil processing facility. And this single attack, quote, led to the suspension of more than 5% of the world's daily crude oil production. So obviously, this is not just a small attack. I mean, 5% of the world's daily crude oil production from one plant, that's insane. That's such a large amount of oil being produced here. And so Listen, it, Hunter, when we when we bring oil into any conversation, which again, like when you're talking about the Middle, Pe Middle East and peace there, you've mm -hmm. got to bring up oil. You've got to bring up religion. Like, yeah, I mean, oil makes money, things religion. messy. Yeah. So when you have these natural resources that are so highly sought after and that produce so much money, it's going to cause conflict and tension. So the two countries, they've been engaged in conflicts that are not as direct towards one another, such as a proxy war in Yemen and Syria as well which that only further complicates the whole regional dynamic. So just going back to the office example, this office is clearly in turmoil because you've got each other so focused on trying to get to the other. And even to the point like where they're dragging their friends in and using them to get at like the other side too. So the office is just not getting any, any work done. This office is in turmoil. Like you're getting the bare minimum done here just based off of like, okay, we have to produce something. We have to do something in this office. Like, Erica, yeah, you know, like, as a corporate we got to call HR. Yeah. Like, get HR involved right now. Yeah, except HR in this case used to be the US, which was super biased and would just come in and, you know, kind of just do what it wanted to and not really consider what exactly was going on and what the implications of that would be. So you're going in, you have all these messy dynamics and HR is not helping in this case. So they really just want more power in the region, which it's just kept the conflict going traditionally, especially when the one trying to come in and help get to the new place is the U.S., who had just pulled out of the Iran nuclear deal a few years ago. So the fact that Joe Biden's coming in and like, oh, yeah, blah, 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 like, you know, the uh, like pulling out of the Iran nuclear deal, that's still pretty fresh in the minds of the region as a whole. So, I mean, the Iran nuclear deal, that's a whole separate episode with how much we could go into on all of that but that's like a it, three part episode it, it's a bit yeah that's a i mean we could do a whole segment on that basically so i mean it's truly like, it just it had just set the precedent for not really following through and trusting each other so the u.s would totally come off as biased towards saudi arabia especially because it has this weird kind of alliance relationship with them and it doesn't really like iran so who wants to have super biased HR come in before and like already like take sides and already kind of like dictate what's going to go on before you can even start talking and telling your side of the story. So it's really no surprise that the U.S. would not be the best mediator for this conflict. Well, so I have a question. If there's so much tension and, you know, conflict and clearly history, of course, 
Mm-hmm. Why do Saudi Arabia and Iran care about being friends? Why aren't they just going to be like frenemies, enemies, even though they're neighbors? Because I mean, like ultimately, like it, like it helps out of when you don't have so much going on. So for starters, Iran's president, Ibrahim Raisi, he said that ever since he was elected, that he wanted to de-escalate tensions and conflict with other countries in the Middle East. And then to add on to that too, Saudi Arabia, they've gotten to a point of wanting the conflict in Yemen to end pretty soon because they've had enough of it. It's impacting Saudi Arabia. It's impacting Saudi Arabian citizens, proxy battles. It's just become too much. Then you also have this outside pressure too. It's like, why is this all happening now and why China? Xi Jinping, he just received an unprecedented third term in office, which that hasn't been a thing in modern day China since Mao Zedong. And so this really helped him look good on the international stage. So it's like, okay, you get an unprecedented third term. And then on top of that, now you're helping broker peace in the Middle East. Like the US has been trying to do that for decades and it can't do it. So, you know, this is going to help out. And so China does have this history of trying to be the peace broker before. And honestly, it just makes it look good since the U.S. is a little bit more reactive, obviously, just given the political system in the U.S. and how it's set up and how the U.S. faces a lot more public pressure from their constituents as elected officials. When we saw China trying to negotiate between North Korea and South Korea, they also had Japan, Russia, the U.S., and obviously China themselves back in 2003 called the Six Party Talks. And this was really trying to de-escalate North Korea's nuclear programs and trying to have everybody kind of come in, like the regional powers, like having Russia come in to kind of help side with North Korea. You're going to have the U.S. come in with South Korea. And then you also have Japan, who just has a big stake in all of this, and China, too, who also has a big stake in it. So it's like, you know, they even got in all the good actors. So China came out of this looking like a pretty responsible party, trying to get everyone together. And it was going really well until North Korea decided to wild out. And they got upset that the UN Security Council condemned a failed satellite launch. And they just said, okay, y'all are rude. I'm out. I'm gonna go do my thing again, which... Yeah, how dare they? Honestly, that is... That is so rude of them. Yeah. They're like, well, you know, if you can't be happy about my satellite launch, then you know what? I'm done. And I'm just not having this anymore. So, I mean, just as like a little backgrounder for like China, they have done this before. This isn't like the first time China's tried to play mediator. China's like, well, all right. Energy is a big thing. So we don't want these two fighting and possibly having a 5% crude oil production go down. Like we're already facing a bit of a shortage throughout the world. We saw gas prices. We're all aware of that. It was a big deal a hot second ago. So it's, it's one of those things where China's like, all right, if we can get the girlies together and then we don't have to worry about them fighting, then we at least put a potential fire out and we don't have to worry about it. So really over here, kind of playing like Smokey the Bear, just trying to put out a little fire here, a little fire there. Like, it's really interesting how China's navigating the global system right now. And then especially with this kind of new relationship forming too. Let's talk about China and their role as a mediator then. I mean, the obvious thing is that they're closer to Saudi Arabia and Iran, right? So yeah. it they definitely on that front are better suited because think about the United States trying to help from overseas. Mm-hmm. Not even not a great starting point. But anyways, the U.S. then doesn't have a best tr- the best track record in that region where that there's that odd allied relationship with Saudi Arabia, like we talked about. And there's certainly most definitely bad blood between yeah. the United <laughs> States and Iran. Like that is kind of an understatement almost. Yeah. So it's kind of a question of like who else? And it 
can't be someone else in the Middle East because then they'd also be biased, just like United States are. Europeans aren't like jumping on the chance to getting their hands in that pot of the Middle East. Mm -hmm. So who else in the big name on the global stage besides Russia, since they're a little busy at the moment, yeah. if you couldn't tell in Ukraine. Mm -hmm. And frankly, with that whole thing, I don't think the Middle East would want them as a mediator, it's like, hey, like, we need peace. Um, I know you're starting this war, but do you think you could, like, take a break and, yeah, like, come switch to peace mode? No. So that is why China seems to be, like, the obvious choice mm -hmm. for this mediator position. And China's already had a fair bit of trade with Saudi Arabia for oil and energy. I mean, who hasn't with Saudi Arabia, honestly? Yeah. <laughs> and also has a new relationship with Iraq where they will use the Chinese yuan which is the Chinese currency for oil as well as with Saudi Arabia. So this gets into the problem of why is the U.S. not a fan of kind of being X'd out of this friendship mediation circle? Yeah, I mean, it. so then it kind of goes into, so for starters, the U.S., they don't want the Chinese yuan to even really be an option for energy trade over the U.S. dollar since the U.S. is so used to having a monopoly throughout the entire world for using the dollar for energy trade. So this is already a giant concern because the U.S. is already like, well, no, the U.S. dollar needs to remain dominant throughout the world because it gives us an advantage and it gives us an edge over everyone else. OK, understandable. So the U.S. would be concerned about that. Then adding on top of that, it also means that China is going to have a deeper relationship with each of these countries, too. So that means that the U.S. might not be able to hold as much power over the two countries as it used to, which already over Iran, the U.S. doesn't hold a ton of power. And then Saudi Arabia, Saudis, the Saudis, you know, it's just a weird, complex relationship between the U.S. and Saudi Arabia. It's always been interesting. I've always found that relationship extremely fascinating. And it's just one of those things of where the U.S. doesn't, it's not like the U.S. holds a ton of power over Saudi Arabia. So it's, you know, it's a give and a take, but it's an interesting relationship to say the least. So, and then finally, it also means that China is going to become a more capable adversary when it comes to diplomacy. So we're seeing this, that if China is able to start making peace in the Middle East, then obviously that ruins America's credibility because the U.S. has been trying to, quote, fix the Middle East for decades. And it's been wildly unsuccessful for the most part. You're seeing that through the Iraq war. You're seeing that through Afghanistan, pulling out of Afghanistan. I mean, when... The United States has definitely had quite a bit of fumbles in the bag for the Middle East. Yeah. And so the, like, the fact that China all of a sudden was like, yo, don't worry, I got this, comes in and is just like, yeah, guess what? We're making peace in the Middle East. Like, that's a big blow to America's credibility for being a big, like, global kind of a mediator. So it's like, well, if people start turning more towards China to fix problems, then that's obviously going to be a big issue for the U.S. So... It, Didn't we already gonna, see that in Latin America too? Latin it, America turning to China when they previously turned to United States? Yeah. And so we talked about that in a couple of our episodes, especially the one on Latin America and the BRI. So you're seeing that these places, they're starting to turn towards China, which the U.S. is really perceiving this as a large threat that it has to act against. We talked last week about how the week after this had all taken place, last week on our episode... So sorry, getting a little confused on the times here. But so we had talked about how the U.S. was pretty excited to see South Korea and Japan form this friendship. So it was a big win, especially after this, because China's coming in and it's just like, don't worry, y'all, we got this. Y'all can hang up your hats. It's good. Don't even stress about it. We got it. So it's like 
I don't know. It's just, it's just so interesting to see play out because I really did not have China fixing tensions between Iran and Saudi Arabia on my bingo card for this year. Well, I mean, think about it. Like China has not to use a corporate phrase in this episode and I'm going to hate myself for it, but (laughs) China has worn quite a bit of hats uh, in their in the world pretty much. Mm-hmm. And same with like Russia, like there it's always, it's always been like China, Russia closer than China, United States. Yeah. And when I think China and Russia, I've never thought like peacemaker. So China's entering this like new era with this, with this and in Latin America and this new era of peacemaker mediator, like helper in a new way. Like they've helped economically before with the BRI They've mm-hmm. they've helped in other ways, but not necessarily that we've seen in foreign diplomacy between nations. Yeah. I mean, like we saw like the six party talks, but that ultimately failed. So mm-hmm. you're seeing that those talks there. Yeah, there were a lot of talks and there were meetings, but there wasn't anything to truly come out of it. Whereas this you're seeing that there's actual tangible outcomes coming out of it when you're seeing high levels of leadership in Beijing. You know, everyone's like there together and not like an adversarial type of a meeting. It's more of, okay, we're going to start a new friendship, a better relationship type of meeting. And everyone's there pretty happy, positive about it. I mean, that's, that's huge. That's huge right there. Well, so we discussed why the United States is not happy about it. I mean, kind of feels like a slap in the face to them. Mm -hmm. Are there any other countries that might have a problem with this or have yeah. vocalized a problem with this? So, I mean, like the biggest country to come to mind is obviously Israel because Israel is like, okay, well, if they're stop, like, if they're not fighting with each other anymore, then what's going to happen when they look over at me? And so Israel is already in this super unique position within the Middle East. It has a lot of tensions with a lot of its neighbors. So it's, it's definitely a, very new dynamic that Israel will be working with within the Middle East. And obviously that is going to be super interesting too. Cause I mean, it's, it's very clearly a complex situation and it's super complex. And, you know, I I don't want to like, just like bring this up, like right at like the end of the episode, but it's like, I mean, it's just so interesting. I mean, we could really do an entire segment on like Middle East relations on the pod because it's just, there's so much to unpack there. There's so much to look at and examine of how this has historically come to be what it is today. And it's just, there's so much to talk about. But the biggest one for your question, Erica, that I could see kind of having a problem with this or really being concerned about this would be Israel. Yeah, like what you said about the Middle East tensions, like that could be an entire segment for Patreon, maybe when we get it up and Mm -hmm. going. Mm -hmm. And like, just to give you guys like a reference of how intricate and complex the history is, like I had an entire thesis, like class dedicated to oil in the Middle East specifically, like not Mm -hmm. even just all the Middle East, like literally just oil from one like date, date range. So it is definitely a lot to cover. And if you guys are interested in hearing it, we can definitely do a segment, maybe a Patreon segment. Maybe maybe we'll bring back something similar to our Keep It BRIs, but we'll have to think of a funnier name mm-hmm. if it's for yeah. Middle East. We'll have, to, we'll have to brainstorm that one. But yeah, let us know your guys' thoughts if you guys want more on this topic, if you guys want a Patreon segment about it. So we know that we said that the Patreon was coming soon. It really is. We are trying to get this up and going. Eric and I, like we said, 
in the last episode, things had just been crazy throughout the end of the winter, beginning of spring for us. So we're really I'm blaming the banks. Going. I mean, look at look at the banks in the news lately. <laughs> it's just chaos. So we are trying to get that up and going. So we're kind of brainstorming a couple of segments of kind of what we'd like to do. So definitely feel free to let us know what you guys would like to see on there because it will be a paid access. It won't be much. It will just be very moderately priced. So let us know what you guys want to see on there. And we will absolutely do our best to come up with that kind of content for you guys, since we know that that is going to be much more of a listener engaged type of what do you guys want to hear about? And we will put out this episode. So let us know in the comments, in our DMs, in the emails, on the website, how y'all are feeling. I like, how are y'all feeling about this? Cause I mean, I'm just kind of curious to see if it really does bring in more stability in the region. And like, if the girlies like stop squaring up, but as we always say on this podcast, we'll just have to wait and see. Wait and see we shall. <laughs> so with that, Erica, I think this wraps up our episode. Well, thanks so much for talking to me, Hunter. We will see you guys on the next episode. And we promise if we fall off the face of the world, we will communicate it. <laughs> We're trying to be better Geminis. But with yes. that, thank you guys so much for tuning in. And we will see y'all next week for another episode of your Hot Girl Briefing. So stay hot out there. Get ready for the spring and the summer. Go and kill everything y'all are doing out there per usual. And with that, y'all have a great rest of your day. Bye. Bye.